Philippians chapter number 2. Uh, we're going to read verse number 12 and verse 13 to kind of uh, lay a little bit of background here. And then um, I'll give you a message. I, I've kind of tried to talk myself out of preaching it just because it sounds so simple. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll do our best tonight. But verse number 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, here's one of the most confusing statements in the Bible, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We pray that you would bless your people tonight. Lord, we ask you that you might just give us what we stand in need of. Lord, maybe it's uh, maybe it's conviction. Maybe it's chastening. Lord, maybe you want to teach us tonight. Whatever it may be, Father, we pray that you'd have your will in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, bless those that cannot be here tonight. I pray that you'd bring them back. At the next appointed time, Lord, those that are dealing with sickness, those that are dealing with loss, we pray that you touch and comfort them. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get into the introduction, I feel like we need to go back to verse number 12 and uh, and just kind of look at this statement that I brought to light. He says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Here's the phrase, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This statement has been, um, has been taken out of context over and over and over, uh, especially in, uh, in the, the charismatic movement and uh, even further than that. And they say statements like, uh, well, there, there's many different ways of salvation because the Bible says work out your own salvation. No, that's not what it means. The word work here, it's a little bit different than what we see in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28. That word work there, it means that we ought, that there was a working, there was a, um, the word is wrought. Uh, there was a hammer to the steel. There was hands to the dough. Uh, there was hands and finger and pressure to the clay. That's what that word in Romans chapter number 8 means. You are rotting something. You're working something. But here, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And it means to work fully or to finish or perform. And uh, he answers the question that's looming in verse number 12 in verse number 13. So we look at this definition. It means to finish or to perform your own salvation with fear and trembling or with awe, with, um, with reverence, with respect, with honor. If you look in First Peter, with holiness. He says, be ye holy for I am holy. So there is a, there is a working, there is a performing that we must do. But he answers in verse number 13, for it is God which worketh in you. This word worketh, it means that he is active. He is the one that's within you carrying out these things that we must perform. You're not doing this on your own. I understand the scripture says work out your 
own salvation with fear and trembling. But quite, quite, quite simply, that means your individual salvation. That is, you, you can't work out Miss Tabitha's. You can't work out my salvation. You must work out your own. But verse 13 says that it is God that is working in you both to will or both to His determination or His ending, but then also to do His good pleasure. Or his purpose. And so in verse number 12, he gives us this admonition to work out, to continue in our own salvation with fear, with trembling. But just in case that gives a Christian pause, he says, but remember, um, mm, but remember that God is working in you. You're not in this thing alone. Amen. So that ought to help us right there. But tonight I want to deal with four things that you should know. Now, some of you may be new believers. Some of you may be seasoned saints of God. Uh, but there's four things in our life from, from the doctor uh, delivering us from our mother until the doctor pronounces us dead. There's four things at least that we need to know. And I want to give those to you tonight fairly quickly, I hope, and I'm sure you do too as well. Uh, but the first one, I almost feel as though I need to explain uh, what, what we're... The, number one is God is awesome. Now, I, I do not like using that word uh, because it almost seems out of place in an old-fashioned church. And I've heard some people in old-fashioned churches be very critical about the word and being very critical about those that use it. But, uh, this word awesome, uh, the definition is filled with awe or awe-inspiring. It is two words. Awe, uh, which is amazement, and some or full of or filled with. And so awesome is being filled with awe or awe-inspiring. And I told you it's been misused um, as it, it, a lot of times people say, well, that's very impressive. Or they say, oh, that's awesome. That's impressive. Uh, but it's even generally broadened to just an expression of approval. People will say, oh, you know, I got a raise today. Well, that's awesome. Man, I'm glad for you. That's wonderful. And, uh, and and so that's that's the way we've kind of dumbed down the definition, if you will. I don't know if that's the right phraseology to say, but Brother Terry, there is something awesome, awe-inspiring about God. Now I'll tell you this: the reason that we we're 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 going through this tonight is because there's some things that we teach we, when our children are, are born. We teach them how to eat from a spoon. We teach them. You know, all those things, how to walk and how to throw a ball and all, all, you know how it is. You're going up and and you're teaching them. As far as I know, and I've heard some of you, you're always going to be teaching your children. You're going to be trying to impart wisdom. If you, if you're an employer, you have to teach or train your employees. Uh, when you're in school, you're being taught some things. And so tonight, I want to teach you some things that most likely you already know, but quite possibly you've forgotten. Or maybe you've put to the back of your mind. And so number one tonight is God is awesome. If we were to look at nature and we were to enjoy all the beauty, and we were to enjoy the changing of leaves, which you don't see as much here as we did in Tennessee, but you can still see a lot 
here of the changing of leaves and how they go from that dark green and they get a little bit lighter and then they start to change colors and finally they're, they're dead and they fall to the ground and then you have to spend four days raking up the leaves. Somebody say amen right there. But if you look at nature, you look at the, every time we go over the bridge, uh, between Lake Jennifer and Murphy Mill Lake, especially over on Murphy Mill, y'all side ain't near as pretty as our side, but, um, uh, on our side, the water is many times it's steel. I mean, it looks like glass. And you can look out there and you could see the reflection from the trees and the clouds. I mean, it literally looks like a mirror. Well, you can't see that so much on, on the Lake Jennifer side because my lake is, or not mine, but our lake is, is flowing into it. So it's troubling the waters, but there's still a beauty there. You go to the ocean or to the, to whatever and you, you see it and you could hear the, the, the nature and it, it evokes, for me at least, it evokes awe. Back in May when we went on vacation, uh, I'd never been to the Gulf of Mexico. And I, I was amazed when I first saw it because I'm used to Atlantic beaches. Somebody help me. You know what we're talking about. Kind of ugly. Maybe smell a little bit. They're not not pretty at all. And you don't want to get more than ankle deep in them because you might catch something. I mean, it just, you don't know what's going, but man, when I, when I crossed that little, that little, uh, uh, hill and I could look and I could see clear water and then a little bitty dark spot and then clear water, I said, man, that is for me. And so I got there, I got out there as far as I could without not being able to touch the ground because y'all know how that goes. But I got out there as far as I could and there's nobody around me. There's 45, 50 feet that way. On either way, there were people, but I was all by myself. And I tell you what, every day we were out there, I got to have church, just me and the Holy Ghost because there was something. God was doing something in my heart and He was showing me how awesome He is how awe-inspiring He is. I mean, you're, you're out there in the middle of the ocean and you can touch the... Not in the middle, but you understand. You're in the ocean and you can touch the floor. You can touch the, the bottom and you can see... Occasionally you could see fish and you could... Some people said they could see dolphins jumping. I never did see one. But then you get on the... You get on the What's it called? The shore? The beach? The beach? And you look out there and you see the waves rolling in and you could hear the waves. And sometimes we went even at night and you couldn't really see all of the beauty, but you could hear it. There's something about creation that is awe-inspiring. If we were to look at Genesis chapter number 1, that's where it all began. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God did that. It wasn't you and I. It wasn't our governments or anything. It was God. In Psalm 19, verse number 1, to, uh, he said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. The heavens, that's those things well, and, and we could go about the first, second, and third heaven, uh, but up in the sky we see the heavens, and we see the beauty, and we see 
how that God paints uh, the skies with, with oranges and yellows and reds and purples, pinks and blues. And it's just amazing. And now you may say, well, you're sissy. You're looking up at the sky and you're getting all happy because all the pretty colors. Just shut your mouth and let me have a good time. Now, we look at the, the firmament. And, and I know it can be described in different ways, but, uh, but, but the firmament is between the ground and between space. And we can see even in that God's beauty. We can see those trees and we can see the animals and, and we can see God's handiwork. In Psalm 139, verse number 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Have you ever thought about, I'm trying to remember, uh, Miss, Miss Samantha, you just had a baby. Okay, now I don't know if during your your doctor visits, your doctor said, well, you're so far along, your baby's about the size of a, a walnut or a pecan. You got a little bit, okay, he's the size of a of an eggplant. He's the size of a watermelon. He's the, I, I don't know if he was that big or not, but you understand. And they they compare things to to nature. Have you ever thought about, have you ever looked at those videos and ever looked at those pictures of a baby inside the womb? How that every every day there is a change? And how that they start with, I mean, it, you, you can't even see it. And then all of a sudden it begins to grow and it looks gross and it looks deformed and it looks like an alien. And then all of a sudden it's got eyes and a heartbeat and fingers and toes and fingernails and it's got hair on its hands and hair begins to fall. I'm talking about I, this is God's handiwork. And the scripture said, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm reading in Ashland's Bible or helping her with her Bible class in school. And I've just been enthralled in this thing. And it, when it talked about the creation, it talks about how that... What did God form man from? Somebody help me. The dust of the ground. Now, Brother David, I know out there... you I don't know if you've paved everything or not, but I know you used to have just like a, a, a dirt parking lot on one side or the other. Man, on dry days and you get to those trucks going through there, what's... It's dust, right? Dust everywhere. You go out there and you pick up a hand of dust and it'll just flow right through your hands. Or, and it just makes... That's what God made you and I out of. That's what God made Adam out of. But in doing that, you know what he did, Kaylee? And I don't know how he did it other than saying, God. This is stuff that if you pick up, you couldn't make stick together, but God did. And then in all of that, Miss Leah, God decided that he was going to put organs in there. He was going to make a heartbeat and he was going to make veins. I don't know how many feet of veins are in our body. Eight miles of veins in our body. That's to the red light and back twice. Eight miles. Some of us got bigger bodies than y'all. So maybe some of us got 10 miles. I'm not sure. Eight miles, God, somehow, somehow, God made us fearfully and wonderfully. And then, Nathan, what was this stuff that he made us out of? Dust, right? Dust that we can just just blow on. It'll go everywhere. All of a sudden, God breathed into it and blood started pumping. What about that? God is 
awesome. He is awe-inspiring. God's creation is awesome. It is God the Son. You remember in Genesis, now I don't even think I wrote it down, but He said, let us make man in our image. Even the Son of God was there in Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 17. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. In John 1, verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was Made. God is awesome. I mentioned these three words a few weeks ago, omnipresent. In uh, uh, Psalm 139, we'll, we'll mention this a few times, but Psalm 139, verse 7 down through 10, he says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art with me. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? He is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. And I found this today in reading how that sometimes He is present everywhere without a shadow of a doubt. The Scripture backs that up. But understand, He is He is present differently for you and I. He is present in this uh, uh, in, in 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 this firmament, if you will. Uh, the the uh, the animals, the the uh, creatures, they need Him in a certain way. Then we go up the food chain. You and I need Him in a certain way. The fowls of the air need Him in a certain way. Whether it's the heavens or in hell, God is there. And He is just what we need in His omnipresence. Not only is He omnipresent, but He is omniscient in verse number 1 of Psalm 30, uh, 139. He says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. Thou art and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but O Lord... But lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out Thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember Thy sins. He is so all-knowing, omniscient, that if he chooses to forget something, he can and he can still be God. Amen? He goes on. Isaiah 46, verse number 10, declaring the end from the beginning and all the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. In Hebrews chapter number 8, verse number 12, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. The 
church ought to say amen right there. Again, God is so awesome that even in His own decided forgetfulness, He is still all-knowing. Amen? That ought to bless some of y'all. He is omnipotent. This is all-powerful. Romans 11, verse number 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. Verse 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath given first, first given to Him? And it shall be recompensed unto Him again. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Job, after all of His, uh, uh, issue at hand in verse uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 42. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God. Mm, I like that. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Hey, man, by no means is this list of God's omniscience, His omnipresence, or His omnipotence, uh, no, by no means is, is, it, is it exhaustive, but it gives you a pretty good idea of who He is. And God is awesome. Amen? Number two, very quickly, sin is annoying. Now, we all know that. We know that sin is annoying. But if we're not careful, we'll be like, what? who was it, James, that said that every man, when he is drawn away of his own lusts, he is enticed when he is drawn away of his own lust. Here we see that sin is annoying. Sin is anything that displeases God. I've gotten the question so many times, is this particular thing sin? I can't find it in the Bible. Is this sin? Well, you're not going to find every single sin listed in the Word of God. But if it displeases the Lord, if you are saved and He then is indwelling in you, uh, that Holy Ghost will begin to be at odds with you if you do sin. And so when you feel that, when you feel that tugging from another world, when you feel conviction or chastening, mark it down as sin and don't do it. Amen? Sin is annoying. It's anything that displeases God. Now, you don't have to be a murderer. You don't have to be a thief to be a sinner. The Bible very clearly says this in Romans chapter number 3. As it is written, verse number 10, There is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But verse 23 in chapter 6 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Ezekiel chapter number 18, verse number 4, He says, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Isaiah 64, verse number 6, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Sin is annoying. It's annoying because it separates us from God. And, 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 and if you've ever been separated from the Lord, then you understand. Maybe, maybe you haven't 
experienced such separation as years away from the Lord. And, and let's just praise the Lord for that. Amen. But sin also will, will break fellowship with the Lord. We've mentioned that a few times. Sin will break fellowship. And it could be the slightest little thing. But it can break fellowship with the Lord. I'm not talking about days, months, weeks, years away from God. I'm talking about because of one decision, one wrong act, one wrong deed, one wrong word. It can break fellowship with the Lord in an instant. And again, if that Holy Spirit is there, drawing, knocking, telling, guiding, leading, then you'll know that something's wrong. And you'll do everything you can to make it right. Am I telling it right now? Sin is annoying. Number three, forgiveness is available. I find it, I find it hard that even Christians forget that they too can be forgiven. If there's ever a day that we need to be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It's today. And forgiveness is available. It's available because God loves you. It's available because God knows you. He knows that you are a sinner. He knows, even if you're saved, He knows that by your flesh... We sang a song the other day. Uh, I can't remember exactly the phrase there, but it says, um, uh, 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 what is it, a sinner by choice, an alien by birth, or vice versa there. And I'm telling you, we are born sinners. We just read it. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we find here that God loves us and He knows us. And because He knows and because He loves us, even though we are saved and we've been forgiven of our sins and then we sin again, we can still go back to John 3.16, for God so loved. We can still do it. Christians in, in our modern time, we, we get to the point where, where, uh, where if we're not careful, we're, we're preached, we're preached at so harshly to live a holy and a righteous life, and we should be. But we're preached so hard at that we're oftentimes, as preachers, as teachers, we don't give the other side of that. That if you do sin, you do fall, there is forgiveness. You can. Come back home. And tonight I want you to know that forgiveness is available. Know and remember that somebody had to pay for your sin. Let's just say, for instance, you got saved ten years ago, five, a year ago. Don't matter. You're saved. And according to the Scripture, you are forever saved. You don't have to worry about going to hell again. But what you do have to worry about is... Pleasing the Lord. And in pleasing the Lord, or rather in not pleasing Him, by letting sin come into your life, living in sin, continuing in sin, whatever it may be, know today that even though you're saved, the sacrifice that Christ made on Calvary and the blood that He shed is still sufficient to cover your sin. 
That blood is not just for the lost person coming to salvation. That blood can be applied to every single person every time they sin. And the the blood, just like God's grace, is sufficient. There's more than enough. Out of God's love, He sent Christ to die for you and I. Romans 5, verse 6, down through 8, 4. When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died, I love this, for the ungodly. He says, for scarcely would a righteous man, uh, where are we at? For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to, <coughs> to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, let me tell you, Christ died for you. But if you're here tonight and you're saved, but you're not where you need to be, I want to remind you, Christ died for you. Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we got to go back to 623. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number four and last, grace is amazing. Grace is amazing. I'd like for us here in just about two minutes, if we can come maybe sing a verse of amazing grace. But that first verse says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Listen to these words, amazing grace. Put yourself, put yourself back where you were before you got saved. Amazing grace. The writer said, oh, how, how sweet the sound. He said, it's sweet because it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You see that progression of God's grace? I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. And because of that, let's, let's flip it. Because of that, amazing grace is a sweet sound. When you trust the Lord as your Savior, you receive God's grace. You receive His unmerited favor. And, and, and I need to tell you this, I'm going to be as blunt as I can. Not a single one of us deserve the grace of God. We didn't when we were lost, when we were going to hell, but God gave it to us. And we don't now. Even though we've received it, even though God has saved us and He's brought us out of hell, out of that pit, and He set us on a new path, He put a new song, we're on our way to heaven. But every day God gives us grace, and we don't deserve it. But that doesn't matter to God. He keeps on giving it. few other things. Grace defeats the past. In Psalm 103, verse number 12, As far as the east is from the west, 
so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I've tried my best to figure out how far the east is from the west. I've, I mean, I've, I'm telling you, I've tried my best. I mean, if we were to take, if we were to take a compass right here, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain that way is north. If we, if we were to take a compass and just look at the, the diagram, east and west is only, is only a, a millimeter apart. This way, this way. East, west. That, that's as far as it is. No, 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 no. I, I believe what the scriptures say, and I could be wrong, and you may hear other things about this, but this is just my own uh, ciphering, if you will. That if you go as far east as you can go, and just keep going east, you will never be going west. You'll always be going east. If you were to go west, and just keep going west, just keep on going round and round and round the globe, guess what? You're still going west. People can detract from that and they can say, well, at some point you found the western hemisphere and all that. Well, maybe, yes. But I believe the, the scripture here is teaching us in Psalm 103, verse 12, that what God did with our sins will never be able to reach them. All your sins are forgiven. Grace defeats our past. Grace deals with the present. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Therefore, listen, listen to these words. Therefore, if any man be, be, that's present, be in Christ, he is, that is present, he is a new creature. Old things are past. They, that's the past. Behold, all things are become new. Not became new. They become new. Every single day, God gives us new grace. He says those things that are in our past, they are dealt with in Psalm 103. But the things that are in our present, God is dealing with those. He is giving grace to overcome them. He is giving us grace to, uh, to stand against them. He is giving grace in order to forgive us of those things. God deals with the present. God delights in our future. If we put our faith, we put our trust in Christ. He promises something. First John chapter number 3 <coughs> verse number 2. Beloved, now there's that present now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That's, that's a future happening. And the only way that we can claim that verse is by the unmerited grace of God. You and I, we need to remember a few things. We do need to remember <coughs> that God is awesome. If awesome scares you to death, God is astonishing. Okay? I'll help you out there. God is amazing. God is awesome. God is astonishing. Sin is annoying. Forgiveness is available. And grace 
is amazing. Let's come with a verse of amazing grace, if you will. I told you we need to train some people. We need to teach some things. And if we could remember these four things throughout our lives, I believe that, that we, we would be able to teach them to someone else. We'd be able to help someone else. If people lose sight of who God is, remind them about the all-inspiring God of heaven. If you, in Galatians chapter number 6, it says, in verse number 1 and verse number 2, it talks about that brother that's overtaken in a fault. He said, if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. He said, and just remember, if it weren't for the grace of God, and I'm paraphrasing right now, he said, remember if it weren't for the grace of God, you would be where they are. Remember, sin is annoying. But then never forget tonight to tell somebody. If, if you find them in sin and they're trying to get back, but they don't think God will forgive them, they don't think God loves them anymore, they don't think there's any place for them back in the church, remind them that forgiveness is available. My soul, how did I not even read it over in 1 John chapter number 1? What does he say right here in verse number 9? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is available. But remind them that God's grace is amazing. God's grace has saved a lot of men and a lot of women from a fiery death. And God's grace is sufficient to save a lot more from now. Not only save, but restore. 